and welcome back to Gateway Episodes. This is a TV podcast where we look at TV shows and ask if we'd want to get into them by watching a single episode of that show. This is the second season of Gateway Episodes, and for this season we are focusing specifically on miniseries. I am your host, Derek McDuff, and joining me today is my good friend Damien. Damien, how's it going, man? Very well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, so, with season two, like I mentioned, we're doing miniseries, and the miniseries that you suggested for me was Devs. Uh, I'm a pretty big fan of Alex Garland, so I was excited to talk about this. You know, we decided to start just from the beginning, season or episode one of this uh, miniseries. Um, so starting right at the beginning, which I think for a show like this is probably the best gateway episode. But yeah, Damien, why don't you tell us a little bit about this show just to start us off here? Yeah, so um, Devs was a television show that Alex Garland created and wrote all the episodes for, I believe back in 2019. It deals a lot of the same stuff that we see in Alex Garland's other works, like uh, especially uh, Ex Machina. You can also see a little bit of it in Annihilation. Um, a lot of that stuff is always in the always in his work, and I feel like. For right now, this is probably like the peak of his work. This is the epitome of everything uh, he's been writing about for years and years. You know, AI, what it means to be human, predeterminism, all that kind of crazy out there, high mind stuff. So I really, really enjoyed the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, episode one, it kind of, it starts with, you know, this character and you see him. It's kind of set in sometime the vaguely near future and he's working in some kind of tech job and he gets a job working at this even more secret version of this tech job but yeah. and then spoilers for everything going forward in episode one here um we probably won't spoil beyond that though right he does uh yeah he, he the character dies and kind of uh you see who is really the main character uh his girlfriend kind of is investigating this murder and the cover-up and everything so i thought that was really interesting uh i definitely found that you know, because Garland has gotten a little bit of flack before with, you know, just kind of his white, just having white protagonists, whitewashing, you know, like in Annihilation, that character who was Asian was recast as Natalie Portman. Um, but this one, the Asian female lead, so it's nice to see some diversity in this. But also also overall, I think one thing that this show, at least this episode, touched on really well that um, that I really was a fan of in some of his other stuff specifically Ex Machina, which is also, you know, very AI-focused, is that uh, this kind of free will versus the determinism. Uh, and that is something that gets touched on very, very overtly here. And you see it just kind of at the beginning with that, that nematode little simulation thing. Uh, yes. And then it just becomes, you know, much clearer that that's what this entire thing is about, is about being able to predict and know everyone and just there is that the nick Offerman is kind of like oh here's free will it, it doesn't really exist it's just kind of an illusion we can predict everything and nothing's your fault and and uh i i really i really dug all of that yeah that's actually really cool um can we just back up a second talk about the cast yeah. this cast is kind of crazy um mm -hmm. in that it has people in here that are very playing much off type um especially with nick offerman playing the egomaniacal tech genius. Yeah. We talked about those guys <laughs> a yeah. few months yeah. ago on their other show. Um, so Nick Offerman plays a guy named Forrest, who is very much a you know tech billionaire, 
very much of a stoic sort of like introspective guy, um, very much like a um, you know our Mark Zuckerberg's type and all of those guys that we're dealing with today. So it was very cool to see him try something try something different. I don't know if you I don't know if we see him in this episode, but a uh, character actor named Zach Granier plays uh, Kenton, which is like the corporal police guy, the guy in, who is in security. Um, people probably don't know his name, but if you remember, um, oh yeah, 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 he is he is in this episode. He's in this episode, yeah. So yeah. people don't yeah. know him by name. He was um, Jack's boss in Fight Club, who witnesses <laughs> him punch himself in his office. So that was a very really, very cool um, Easter egg. Okay. For- that was bugging me. I was like, what the fuck do I know this guy from? <laughs> yeah, he was really great in this. So then, you know, the main cast is uh, Sonono. Sonono uh, Mizuno plays Lily. Um, she's in a bunch of Alex's stuff. She was in Ex Machina. She was in Annihilation. So she's been in a lot of stuff I've re- really uh, very much enjoyed. Um, we have Allison Pill here, who's been in a few things I've enjoyed. Yeah. Really, yeah, really, really great cast overall. And I did want to mention one other thing I just found out uh, right before we hopped on the mics here, which is that the show is called Devs. It's spelled D-E-V-S. Apparently, they mention um, later on that the V is actually a U, so it's pronounced Deus, which is, um, you know, put the, smash that up to put, smash that up to Ex Machina, and it's, it's, it's the, it fulfills that whole um, huh. movie. So you have Deus Ex God Machina. from the Machine. God from the machine, exactly. So that that, that was a very <laughs> interesting in joke. That's not very much a in joke anymore. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yeah, we can go back to the um, the predetermined stuff you were talking about there. Um, it's it's. I love that stuff. I love thinking about it. I think it. Um, not to spoil too much of where the show goes later, but it very much does talk about free will and predeterminism in sort of the macro and the micro. Sort of talks about your your individual. Um, free will in society, but also talking about society as a whole and civilization as a whole, because they they sort of I'm trying to think how to how to describe it without going into too much detail, but they they built the machine to to sort of um, go back in time and look at major world events as they were, so they can sort of like not even learn from them, because it's very much about how tech billionaires and tech quote unquote geniuses sort of use their genius and use their technology, not 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 for the betterment of the world, like they say they are. You know, every Silicon Valley tech guy or every single tech company, when you ask them, what, is, what are you trying to do with your, you know, Uber? What is, what is What's Uber trying to do? Oh, we're, we're trying to make the world a better place. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're just trying to make, you know, billions of dollars so you can retire to Fiji and somewhere else, maybe on the moon later on. But no, <laughs> you don't want you're not making the world a better place. You're just making it better for your for your uh, bank account. That's all you're trying to do. So, I think this very much comments on that because what what the tech is ultimately designed to do is just to sort of look at look at past world events, maybe learn for them, learn from them for himself, so he can sort of predict when the world will fall apart, so he knows when to sort of get in his jet and get out of here. <laughs> but so, so like, there's these parts where he's looking back on, like, the crucifixion and the Joan of Arc burning and all of that stuff, but it's it's not like he's going to share this with the world. It's it's sort of like how how billionaires, uh, you know, s- 
sweep up all of these um, historical works of art and just put them in a in a airplane hangar over in Hungary somewhere where it's you know the tax tax free shelter where they're just them and all their other tech billionaire friends can go and watch them. So I think I think I'm not sure they didn't explicitly say this, but I believe that's sort of like the end goal is just to have this machine so you can so you and your other tech bros can just sort of sit in the sit in the machine and go back and watch all of these past past world events for yourself not to share with humanity not to give humanity a lesson in history repeating itself but just so we can sit back and watch this themselves so i thought that's where okay. it's all going yeah okay that's yeah that's interesting i'm definitely interested to get to you know those, those parts of the show because yeah we haven't seen any it's just you know any of that that looking back yet so that that'll be really cool yeah to get to yeah. but yeah definitely the whole free will versus determinism thing is the main thing that's drawing me into it it's a, something that draws me into a lot of alex garland stuff and it's funny because i just finished watching today the rehearsal uh the new nathan fielder uh show that was on hbo max and that is also just such an interesting kind of look at free will versus the determinism in a much more different way and how about how unpredictable people can be uh so just kind of seeing these things back to back is is really interesting um uh, just to kind of take a look at it i'm really curious to see where the show goes with it and so with that i will say that yeah i'm i'm definitely gonna step through the gate with this one and i even had like a tough time not going further i was like i watched episode one i was like oh my god i, I want to watch the rest of this but i'm like okay no i've got to for the podcast i've got to hold off so i could just talk about yeah. this this first episode um but yeah i i really dug it um and then something else that you touched on and something that's come up with a couple of these these episodes before that we've talked about is that we are in an era now where you know the kind of quote-unquote era of prestige television and how you are able to get these this prestigious talent both in front of and behind the camera um so you get alex garland who is a guy who's only really worked in film is coming and doing this miniseries and you're getting you know your allison pills and your nick offermans i mean they've both worked in tv before but they are they're pretty big names and all of these other big names film actors and writers and choreographers coming to do this miniseries that originally aired on fx which has been a great channel for just kind of like premium television um so i don't know if you had any thoughts on all that um yeah yeah it looks it looks great um you know like you said it's prestige tv gets you the actors get you the writers um get you all of those behind the scenes people in front of the camera people and also just looks fucking incredible i love the look of it i love the feel of it um i was just re-watching the episode today and hearing that like cool little background jazzy flute score in the background was very very cool and i think it what allows you to do i think you were saying this before on the other show which is just the um the ability of creators to experiment and to put things out there that might not otherwise find a place this probably wouldn't have been probably maybe maybe would have been a, a movie 10 or 15 years ago or mm-hmm. you know maybe would have been i don't even know what but this is a really cool way where the limited series that sort of prestige tv limited series thing that we're we're seeing now and all of these different channels especially fx um really gives the creator gives the writer the freedom to just be like, I'm going to put this, I have a, I have an idea and it's too big for a movie, but it's not quite uh, big enough for like a lost series. Not, not, mm-hmm. it's not big enough for like a five or six episode, uh, not big enough for a five or six uh, season 
television show, but it's it's right for this moment right now where you can just write a thing that's eight episodes long and you have the idea from beginning to end, which it really does seem like you did um, have the whole thing planned out right from the start. So I was going back and watching the first episode. And that's the, that's the other th- cool thing about Prestige TV and the show specifically, where there are so many Easter eggs. I don't know if it's Easter egg, but just uh, foreshadowing towards what's coming next. And just watching, I'm like, man, if I was just a little bit smarter, I could probably could have predicted everything because <laughs> <laughs> there's just so much in that first, not even first episode, but like first 10 minutes, it was like, oh, that's that thing. That's that. Of course, he's doing that because of that. Okay. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> that's where this whole thing was leading. And if I had just been a little bit smarter, I could probably could have been like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, that's where it went. So, yeah. To answer your question, um, yeah, the, the whole presentation of this thing was very, very incredible. Yeah, and I, I've gone on at length on the show about how much I love this this format of miniseries because it lets you, you know, tell a concise story that is maybe too long for a movie, but you don't have to worry about stretching it out over six seasons and putting all this filler and stuff like that. And you can just kind of yeah. tell the story you need to tell. And a lot of times, just like with you know, it seems that Alex Garland, you know, he he had his Ex Machina uh, sh- or movie, and then he, he was experimenting with all these ideas and maybe had a little bit more to say. Because I think that that's something that does come up a lot of time with these limited series slash miniseries going back all the way to like the 90s. You know, you see after Apollo 13, we and we talked about how they or we're going to talk about next week they made from Earth to the Moon after Saving Private Ryan, you know, that same crew would, uh, or a lot of that same crew would go on to make Band of Brothers and eventually The Pacific. Uh, um, so, yeah, it seems like when you have this idea for a movie and there's just, you have build up this, all this, you do all this research and you have all these incredible ideas and you're like, oh, there's a little more to tell. And now because we have, you know, these prestige TV channels and t- streaming services, you are able to tell a, s- a story in a mini series uh, slash limited series format that might not have happened and especially now because they are more prestigious than than they were like in the 90s and stuff and i've i kind of mentioned in one of our early episodes how it's interesting to see the kind of rise and fall of miniseries like you see they start to get popular in like the 80s and 90s and you have these miniseries that are just like the big events that like tune into abc tonight and tomorrow to see the story of helen of troy or whatever the fuck and then and then they kind of like lose and but they're you know they're good but they're not like movie quality you know they're they're getting like maybe like one big name in it's like somebody who's like a aging star that come comes down to do it but then they they dip in popularity for a while until the rise of streaming services and these kind of prestige tv networks and this is i think the first show that we've talked about that has been from just like fx um but yeah yeah, like you you get these these networks that are fx which kind of took a while to figure out i think what it was like it was like okay we're gonna be like comedy but uh with like it's always sunny and stuff like that and then they kind of like over the years leaned and like oh we're just gonna like make really good stuff and especially with disney acquiring fox i feel like fx has kind of just become a, and I know this was a little bit before that, but it's kind of become a way for them to like put this pr- prestige uh, stuff and then just kind of like link it to Hulu like the next day. So it's it's been really interesting to see the kind of general evolution of these shows like that. 
Yeah, they they have all of these shows like very um, extremely popular shows like uh, mm-hmm. Justified, Sons of Sons of Anarchy, um, The Americans, The Shield, stuff like that. But then also um, you get like The League, and then you get like Terriers, these really super obscure shows that only last for like two seasons. Yeah, um, I'm just going through their their list here. Like Lights Out, never even heard of that show. The Riches was a show for like two seasons. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, the the S is stylized like a dollar sign. I remember that. Yes, Never exactly. saw an episode of it, but <laughs> <laughs> then you get shows from this year, like um, like the Bear that was on Hulu, mm-hmm. FX for Hulu, whatever you know, FX on Hulu, whatever that is. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, just go to just go to Hulu, and a lot of this stuff is on there. So yeah, it's it's very cool the the amount of like variety you can get from just one channel now is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I, I am really glad that the the budget of this show, I will say is kind of incredible and that's one thing you would never see even in like the big miniseries of the past is these titanic budgets for miniseries and tv shows you know obviously we've talked on the show about like the how rings of power is just there's so much money being put into that show but you even get something like this which is relatively small compared to that but is still like it looks so freaking good. Like this looks like a movie. Like you, there's, you can turn on stuff, you know, from a couple years back and be like, okay, well, this is clearly a TV show just with the way it's shot and the choreography and stuff and the cameras. Like I remember when I, I rewatched Breaking Bad and then I went and rewatched and then uh, right afterwards I went into um, El Camino, and the spinoff that they did, and I was like, wow, even though like the the production value looks so much better on or not not like so much better but no you i could notice a difference whereas this this looks like a movie like i was looking even at the choreographer for this and he's mostly a movie guy he he's done most of the gar all the garland stuff that he's directed ex machina annihilation men but also stuff like mission impossible fallout um so they really do pull off all the stops and yeah this show this this sci-fi world that they've been able to create is so cool and interesting yeah, and it looks incredible, like you said. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff in the background, I imagine it was probably a lot of CG. And I think, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize is like you're you're mentioning the the cost of the show and how 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 good it looks. And a lot of the a lot of the, like even procedural detective pr- procedural shows that are like shot in Toronto to make to make it look like New York or Montreal, or whatever Vancouver. All of these shows are shot in different places, so all the backgrounds have to be CGI'd in to make it look like the skyline of Chicago or LA when it's shot in. You know Vancouver, um, so that's the that's the thing that's been going on for a while, and I'm wondering if like you know our eye is just now being trained to ignore a lot of that background CGI stuff and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, and and then I will say too that a reason they are able to put a lot of money and effort and you know why they're able to get the talent in this because you know there is I I wouldn't say less expectation or commitment, but you know you don't have to worry about the pressure of success that you would have with a movie where it's like, okay, we have to make, we have to put, if Devils is a movie comes out, you have to make, you know, it's budget back on the opening weekend alone. And then you have to do all this stuff. Otherwise it's a failure. Or if it's a a TV show on like ABC or something like that, then it has to, it has to get so many viewers. Otherwise you can't get it renewed for season two. So it's a failure. But since it's a mini series on this kind of like prestige TV network, it's like, okay, this is we're the one, doing the one season. We don't have to worry about making a budget back from like movie tickets, and we don't have to worry about 
you know, we would like to get viewers, obviously, but then we've still got Hulu, and then you don't have to worry about, like, trying to hit a certain number for season two. The people can just kind of come and tell their story and then and make the make the art and then that's it yeah and it's the thing where we talk about this a lot but the um sort of the, the streamers uh putting out numbers for their shows they don't mm-hmm. just they just don't do it yeah. and you know, you're, you're saying like uh you used to put out a movie and the success of that director being able to make another thing would solely depend on how that movie performed at the box office and now we, we don't know. Like, things are always being canceled on Netflix and sometimes Hulu, but mostly Netflix. And I think I just read a thing. I'm trying to look it up, but I, I heard that they were Netflix was hiring a third-party sort of outside agency that's going to come in and sort of actually determine what their views are per thing, per, per movie and per um, TV show. So th- that'll be interesting to see if we actually get some raw numbers from them. But, like, but yeah, like you said, this is another thing where the prestige TVs, TV shows will come out – then you know they can they can just do whatever they want basically and um their you know the next project alex garland does maybe it's based off on that and maybe it's based off the it might be the views but it's also they probably take it take into a lot of you know just the talk the amount of uh you know retweets it gets the amount of times people mention it on social media i'm wondering if that has a lot to do also with um how networks determine if a thing is going to be successful or not yeah, well, because I know that there was this huge push after Sandman season one came out, and everyone was like, wow, this, like, you know, Netflix was like, this is our most successful season, blah, 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 blah. But it was like crazy expensive. I know that. And because of that, Neil Gaiman himself was like going on Twitter, like, yeah, please, please watch this show, like, rewatch it, like, share your friends, tell everybody, because it has to be so incredibly successful for them to kind of get renewed and to you kind of earn their money back and to show that it was a success, even though like it was number one, according to Netflix for weeks and weeks and weeks, it was still so unsure of whether or not that show was going to get a season two, which I think it by now has, they have announced that they're going to be doing a season two of the Sandman, which is great because I, I do love that show and Neil Gaiman adaptations are always some of my, my favorite things. Um, but you do you do not have that pressure with something like this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did you want to pivot back to the show at all? Because I think that this show we kind of touched on briefly, but the philosophy of it is really interesting. Like we already mentioned the kind of free will versus determinism. But that, you know, philosophy and just kind of the way we interact with the world and how we can predict it and what does that mean? And all of that stuff seems to be really tied up with this. And it's something that, Garland is clearly very interested in he he touched on it like we said very clearly with Ex Machina but he's also touched on it in you know stuff like Annihilation or even things that he he wrote but didn't direct before he was a a director he was a very prolific writer stuff like one of my favorite movies uh Sunshine you know so I I think that he is very interested by by these subjects yeah, um, there's a movie he directed, I believe. I, I know he at least wrote it called Never Let Me Go from 2010. I heard it was a really great book. Basically, have you seen this movie? I have not. It, it's one of my blind spots of his. Yeah, it doesn't directly deal with the stuff he's talking about here, but it's very much about a world about world where people are basically um, not clones, but very close clones of other people. It's it's a lot like the, um, what was that Michael Bay movie, The uh, the Island from, oh, the island! I love. That's I think that's a super underrated movie. 
Yeah, it was it was sort of like that, but it was much more, <laughs> a lot quieter version of that. So it, it sort of deals with some of the stuff we're talking about here. But um, yeah, he, he has dealt with a lot of his phil, uh, philosophical stuff that we're, we're talking about here. Um, I, and I found a, um, an article from Insider about a sort of, um, what do you call it, uh, <laughs> Easter egg with Lily reading The Colossus by Sil- Sylvia Plath, which they say uh, thematically ties in with her story. And uh, Alex Garland says, um, from my point of view, what we're talking about is something that I go that goes to the heart of filmmaking, or at least the way I do it. That book was not suggested by me. It was suggested by M- Michelle Day, who was in charge of props. He goes on to say... So the poem for which the book is named Colossus is told from the perspective of someone speaking to a giant statue. This person is trying to piece together someone they've lost and eventually seems to surrender to the incompleteness of their efforts. It feels both very apt for, for Forrest's story in Dev's, but also Lily's journey. And the poem, one section of the poem says, quote, Perhaps you consider yourself an oracle, mouthpiece of the dead, or of some god or other. Thirty years now I have labored to dredge the silt from your throat. I am none the wiser. Um, he says, quote, I work with the same group of people again and again, and, and one of the beauties is that we all get slightly telepathic, telepathic with each other. We're very in sync with each other, so that's why Lily was reading Colossus, because Michelle suggested it was a beautiful idea. And that, So yeah, it's a very um, interesting idea that you sort of don't ever really get to know the other person that you're with, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. He's, I feel like a lot of this, um, we talked about, we already, we already said it, but the, the, what the person we thought was going to be the main character of the show going forward is killed off. And we didn't really say why, but he, he, um, has, he has a watch on his wrist as he's going, as he's, um, on his computer at his computer terminal. So it's pretty clear, like, bro, <laughs> we know what you're doing. You could have used it a little bit better, but, uh, basically he was trying to steal the algorithm or secrets from his console there. And before he leaves work for, for, that first day they find him and kill him um pretty pretty graphic uh, killing where they put a fucking bag over his head and you watch him uh breathe his last breath which is pretty gross but yeah then the rest of the series takes place from from lily's perspective and i think it's very interesting that they had her reading that book because i think uh what you're talking about with the themes that the show is dealing with it probably is uh one of the one of the ideas it's, it's talking about is how much can you really know about know about a person because the rest of the show a lot of it is dealing with those big issues and big ideas you were talking about with predeterminism but i think a lot of it also is just how one person uh how how far one person can go to try to understand another person right yeah yeah definitely and that's something that's really interesting and it's, it's cute. You, you mentioned like the colossus and how she's talking to these statues and there are these giant statues in the show so i wonder if that was something that you know came out of that or if it was the other way around but I think that's really cool. It's really interesting. And, you know, these this whole thing about how much can you really know another person does also play into the, the free will question. And it's something that really comes up a lot on the rehearsal. And it's just like, yeah, the human, you know, mind is the kind of ultimate variable. And I'm really curious to see where the show goes because it is setting this character up who is the villain to kind of be the, the you know, the voice of like determinism and if there's going to be more pushback from the the kind of free will aspect or how they're going to handle it, I'm really curious to, to you know go back and, and watch it now and see. Because I think, like Ex Machina does, I think that kind of get, lets you decide at the end of that, like, if is this free will or determinism? Because there is a lot of talk about it in that movie and the way it kind of ends. It's like, oh, yeah, people are predictable, but does that mean that, you know, 
just because you can predict what someone will do that they don't have free will and all these really deep, interesting philosophical questions. And this is starting to talk on it on that. But yeah, I really love the just like no matter how much you know someone and how much time you spend with them, you never really can live in someone else's skin and and understand them. And even you know this show is like oh well we can perfectly predict what someone will do based on all these variables. And I'm really curious to see what that means in the whole context of the show. But yeah, don't, don't spoil anything, but I'm, I'm really, really yeah. psyched to go forward with that. Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the show. I really enjoyed it. I, I binged it earlier this year, and like you said, <laughs> you were struggling to not go, go to the second episode. I think that's a really strength of the show is that you just, you just want to know what's going to happen next to each of these characters. I think each, each character, each side character, each supporting cast member has a very interesting um, point of view and a very interesting storyline and a very interesting character arc and does make you sort of interested in every moment. I feel like a lot of shows tend to sort of sag in the middle or sag at a certain point where, you know, you are transitioning from the B plot from the A plot and you're like, well... This is kind of cool, but I really only care about the A plot. This show, every every plot is important. Every plot is very much tied up with the entirety of the show. Even even the character we were talking about earlier, the um, the security guard, his his character even has a little bit of a not contained uh, story arc, but very much um, very specific to his own uh path that the path that he went on to to get him where he was today that's that stuff's even super super interesting so i think there there is this show is so well tuned that every single second of the show you're, you're very much interested to see where it's going yeah definitely and i think that these supporting characters that you're seeing you know i am very interested by them and it's like okay what's going to happen with this thread you know Stuff that gets introduced in this episode clearly to set up stuff down the road. Like, she goes and talks to her ex-boyfriend. It's like, okay, what's going to happen with this guy? Some really great casting. You've got Allison Pill in the background. So she's an actress that I'm a really big fan of. So excited to see kind of what happens more with her. But yeah, uh, I'm probably almost... Like, probably after we stop recording, I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm even more excited to watch it now that we've been talking about it. So I will, I will definitely be stepping through the gateway on this one. Nice, nice. Yeah, I just want to mention uh, Carl Glusman, uh, highly, highly underrated character, uh, highly underrated uh, actor. He's the uh, he's Sergey. He's the the boyfriend. He's the guy we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. If everybody uh, watches this show because of what I was talking about it, I'd highly recommend watching him in um, Watcher from this year. He was very, very good in that. Okay, I need to check that one out too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. So much good stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I've got I'm like a huge list of, of TV shows to watch, but you know that's that's the good thing about miniseries is you can knock them out. This is just eight episodes, so yes. you know I watched I watched all of season one of the rehearsal like the late, past two days, oh, wow. so I'll probably be able to knock this out pretty quickly. You know, over a couple of days or something, um, you can just binge it all. We're in the era of binging, so so uh, you know exactly. I, that's kind of nice. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Yes, love it. Yep, yep. But yeah, um, thank you, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I had a blast talking about this. Uh, this this season of Gateway episodes is is wrapping up uh, soon. We this is the third to last episode, I think, that it's going to be released. So uh, so very excited for that. We are building up to our hundredth episode of my other show, Underrated, that I do. So nice. kind of, kind of very very excited for that. And then um, 
Of course, you and I also do a show, Can I Say Something? Uh, I don't know if you wanted to tell tell the good people at home about that one. Yeah, so it's basically, you know, it's a brand, it's a, it's a crazy idea. Check this out, right? It's two guys, we're going to sit down, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about what we watched. It's nuts. And nobody's ever done it before. Uh, you <laughs> know, it's it's novel, it's, it's exciting, awesome. you know, it's yeah. taking the world by storm. I'm going to trademark it, nobody else is going to be able to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna You're gonna <laughs> go see to imitators, that. but you know, yeah. you you know where you heard it first. The originators of the <laughs> guys in the microphone. <laughs> so it's called Can I say something? Two dudes yeah. in their thirties. You've never heard it before. No, never, ever, ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can I say something? It's on all the uh, podcast apps, on the all the aggregators, um, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, um, all of that stuff, Stitcher. All of that stuff. We're going to be doing uh, the next episode will be um, the spectacular 2022. Can I say something spectacular episode? We're going to do best deaths of all time. In well, this horror- this will be out for a while before that though. So go back and listen to that episode. But <laughs> yeah, go, go back. Okay. Yes. This is, <laughs> we're we're in a time machine here. I always forget to ask when these things drop. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the next ones we will be doing is that. Um, so definitely yeah. excited to to get into all of that. We're in, we're in the middle of Spooktober, um, my favorite time of the year. So definitely check that out. And um, I have a Medium blog. Check me out there. That's where I'm putting all all, all my thoughts on movies and things. Damien.Sherman.Medium.com. Uh, Go over there for all my writing. B for Benedetta on Letterboxd. I'm super, super active over there. Um, so yeah, check me out on all of those places. Yep, yep, definitely. And then yeah, uh, go ahead and like I mentioned, check out Underrated, um, the other podcast that I do with Alan and Ariel, who've been on this show as well. We talk about underrated movies, and Damien's been a guest on there too. So definitely check out his episode uh, that he did as well, um, and uh, that's on all those podcasting apps as well. Um, and I guess other than that, um, thank you again for being on, and I'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.